0: The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee, artwork by Helen Rachel Lee, music by Fish Zombie the Onions, and special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be.
1: Chapter 82. Dad? 1883. February 19th. The Walker Farm, Denver, Colorado. Thalia entered the kitchen. There were girls running back and forth. Elone was baking a cake, and the kitchen smelled like vanilla and sugar. Others were putting up decorations and streamers. Cassandra had organized a table with small presents on it. Thalia knew the whiskey girl was coming home today, and even though she had obviously tried to avoid celebrating her birthday by disappearing for four days... That celebration was only delayed. The Amazons were not going to let it slip by. Everything looked like it was being handled, and Thalia didn't think that there was anything she could add to the preparations. So she was just going to slip through and into her room when she heard someone playing the piano. It was soft and beautiful, almost mournful, but still with the bright sound of hope weaved into the darker chords. Instead of going to her room, she went to the sitting room, where she knew there was an upright piano. Orpheus sat at the piano, playing The Last Battle Cry, a piece he learned in China which now seems so far away to him, his memory of the opera fading, but the music stayed with him. He felt someone looking at him and turned to see Thalia standing behind him. She started to speak. But she didn't know where to begin. She needed to apologize for yesterday, but nothing seemed to come out of her mouth. Orpheus stopped playing and scooted over on the bench giving her room.
0: Sit down. I could use your help,
1: Orpheus said. How can I help, she asked as she sat next
0: to him. I need you to hit this key for me, like this.
1: On her side of the piano, he showed her a white key and he hit it. It made the clean sound of a single note ringing. Can you do that? She nodded her head yes.
0: Great. Now I need you to count to four in your head. One, two, three, four. In rhythm like that. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Can you do that?
1: She nodded her head yes.
0: Every time you count a number, hit the key. One, two, three, four.
1: He hit the key with each number. Then he set her hand on the key and let her do it. She started at first by herself. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. But as she played the key, he began to add to it on his side of the piano. At first, it started simple, just a chord here or there. And then he began to play a little more complicated. But always leaving the note she was playing the loudest and the most prominent in the melody. He formed a song around it, but he let her be part of it. Then he stopped.
0: You're doing great. Now, take your other hand and place it on these three keys here.
1: He set her hand on the piano and then positioned her fingers on the keys.
0: Hit these keys only on two and four. Got it? One, two, three, four. He let her try, and she picked it up. Perfect. Now don't forget, with your right hand, the one key on each beat, and the three keys of your left hand every other beat. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Can you do that?
1: Mm -hmm. I I can try. She smiled. They began again. She began playing, and she stumbled a little bit at first, but she got the hang of it quickly, and he joined in faster this time, adding to the music she was making, filling it out. They played like this for a while, and as they played, he began to speak.
0: I want to talk to you. I'm sorry about yesterday. I want you to know I am not offended. I'm actually quite flattered. I had a conversation with Cassandra, and she explained everything. She told me who you are. Specifically, she told me who you are to my daughter.
1: He kept playing, but she missed a beat and he smiled. He stopped and let her start again before he continued.
0: When I was younger, I was a boxer. I guess I still am in a way. I made a living going from town to town. I would find some idiot who wanted to fight me, and I would trick him into thinking he could win. Then... I would hurt him. We would get into that ring, and I would beat him half to death. I would take his money, I would take his pride, and leave him, at best embarrassed, at worst, injured beyond what he could recover. I broke men, then took their money, and for that, they called me a champion. In this context, it is a terrible thing to say, champion. It means the world looked up to me and honored me for the demon I had become. And that's how I felt, like a demon, twisted and evil. Because what other creature would do such a thing, hurt people, and then accept praise for it?
1: Orpheus stopped playing and set a hand on hers.
0: You're a prostitute, and I don't say that to insult you. It shouldn't insult you. You should be proud. Because what you do is, you find people broken and alone. They are in pain and you take them and you give them comfort. You help them by loving them and giving yourself to them. Even if it's just for a moment. Even if you fake it. You cut your life up and hurt yourself so that you can give them something beautiful. You heal them. Maybe, just a little bit. But you heal them all the same. And for that, they call you a whore. You are disrespected, ostracized, and looked down on. But what angel in heaven could claim to serve humanity better? What heavenly creature could say they give more of themselves? You are a savior, and you used your talents and gifts to save my only daughter. For that, I am eternally grateful. My eldest son is getting married soon, and soon I will have another daughter. But I want you to know, if you would like to be my third, I would be proud to welcome you into my family, and no one in our town will ever treat you any less than the angel you are, or I will personally beat them half to death.
1: Valya turned and hugged him. Thank you, sir. Thank you, she cried into his shoulder.
0: You can call me Dad.
1: He whispered into her ear. She rubbed her eyes, pulling back and smiling at him. Dad?
0: Absolutely. It's what all my children call me. But if you come home with me and Annabelle, don't call Luke Mom unless he tells you it's okay.
1: Orpheus smiled. I I won't. (laughs) I know all about Luke.
0: Lady Venus told me. Lady Venus? The woman who owns the brothel?
1: Yeah. She met him a long time ago. She said there was a trial?
0: Oh, yeah. That's why he's not here. He can't come back to Denver. What happened? Oh, that is a long story. I'll just tell you this. Annabelle making a scene is not a new talent. So be careful where you take her.
1: (laughs) Oh, I've noticed. It's so exciting to see her go wild.
0: It won't be when you have to clean up the mess she leaves behind.
1: Hmm. You're probably right. I will love her anyway. I will love every wild hair on that girl's head.
0: I know you will. Take good care of her.
1: Orpheus hugged Thalia again and turned back to the piano.
0: All right, let me show you something else. Put your hands here and here, and I will teach you a simple song. Practice it, and next time I'll teach you something a little more complicated.
1: Orpheus said as he placed her hands on the piano. Paris's hunting trip had been successful. She shot a wild turkey and a boar. She left the turkey with Puppy. The coyotes and her had eaten one of the hindquarters off the boar, but there was still plenty, and she took it to a butcher to have it cleaned and cut into usable pieces. She rode into the barn and took Pony into her stall. She looked around and noticed there were a lot more horses in the barn than normal, but despite that, the farm seemed quiet There weren't any girls running around, and there was no one riding out in the pasture. She took her saddlebags and the packages of meat wrapped up in butcher paper. She began to walk to the farmhouse, but the coyotes had taught her to be suspicious, and she walked slowly, feeling on edge. She looked at the ground. The snow had melted, but the water had not yet dried, and most of the farm was mud. There were fresh tracks in the mud. All of the newer tracks were going into the house, and none of them were coming out. There was a large boot print hidden among them. Viper, she thought, then dismissed it. No, bigger than Viper. There was a large man in there, but who? When she got to the back door, she saw the evidence of people having scraped the mud off before entering. There were little piles of mud near the steps, and the door was closed with drapes drawn. "'So she couldn't see in. "'Normally they were pulled back a little. "'She reached for the doorknob and then stopped. "'They're in there.' "'She held still and closed her eyes and listened. "'It was quiet. "'No girl was moving, "'but she knew all the girls had to be in there "'and at least one big man. "'She breathed in deep. "'She smelled the chicken and bread. "'There were chicken sandwiches in there. "'She could also smell vanilla and sugar.' Someone had baked a cake. She backed away from the door. It was a party. They were throwing a party, and everyone was waiting for her. Damn it. She thought she could run away. That's all it would take. Wait for them to enjoy their party, and then sneak in later. Come in already, yelled Cassandra from the other side of the door.
0: Why should I? Paris replied to the closed door. You know why. You're missing your own birthday party,
1: Cassandra replied. Cassandra, that was supposed to be a surprise, Cynthia complained from the other side of the door.
0: I know, but she figured it out and she's
1: just standing there. Celia, go get her, Cassandra ordered. The door opened and Penthesilia grabbed Paris by the arm before she could react and pulled her into the house. Surprise! surprise! The Amazons yelled. There were girls filling the kitchen and Thalia stood center among them. She ran up to Paris and kissed her on the lips. Happy birthday, lover, she said as she pulled back.
0: My birthday was four days ago.
1: And did you think running away from us would just stop us from celebrating it? Aloni asked as she took the packages of meat away from Paris. What's in here? She asked.
0: Bore. I stopped at the butcher and had him cut it up for me. So your hunting trip was successful? Not entirely. I was kind of hoping everyone would forget about my birthday by the time I got back,
1: Paris said. Well, it wasn't going to happen. Penthesilia set her hand on Paris' shoulder. But before we get started, we can't wait to give you our big present. Close your eyes. Celia? Paris asked. Just, just close them, or we'll blindfold you. <laughs> Don't use her blindfold.
0: She can see through it. Hey, that's a secret.
1: Paris closed her eyes. Orpheus came out from the back room, Colin following close behind him. He walked right up to Paris, her eyes closed.
0: Okay, you can open them,
1: he said. Dad! Paris opened her eyes and jumped into his arms, hugging him.
0: What are you doing here? Luke sent me to check on you. Make sure you're okay. Is Luke here? No. You know he can't come here. Aunt Uncle Colin!
1: Paris leapt up into his arms and he held her off her feet, as they hugged. She dropped down and turned to Orpheus.
0: How long have you been here? We arrived yesterday. How did you find me? It didn't take much. The entire town knows where you are,
1: Colin answered.
0: Your little protege found us and brought us back here,
1: said Orpheus. Cassandra? Happy birthday, whiskey girl! Cassandra smiled and raised a glass
0: of fruit punch. Have you met everybody? This is Celia, that's Alona and Mary, and Dad, this is Thalia.
1: Paris took Thalia by the hand and brought her forward, standing next to her and holding her hand.
0: (laughs) Yes, we've met. And I know all about you two. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of both of you.
1: This is your birthday party. Come on, sit down, have a sandwich. Then we'll cut the cake and you have to open your presents, Alona instructed.
0: (laughs) Right, the, the party.
1: Paris smiled. Everyone rushed to find seats, and Paris was set at the foot of the table, opposite Penthesilia's seat at its head. Everyone grabbed a sandwich and some potato salad. They talked loudly, and Paris introduced everyone to her father, although most already knew him and had met him yesterday. Colin sat next to Cassandra and laughed loudest. The cake was amazing. It was vanilla cake with a hint of whiskey in it. Paris honestly thought it was the best one she had ever tasted. All of the presents were small but fun. A box of ammo, a book of jokes, a tin of candied nuts, a bottle of whiskey from Penthesilia, and five rolls of Necco wafers from Thalia. So, Whiskey Girl, Penthesilia said as she sat down next to Paris across from Orpheus. Just exactly how old are you?
0: That's not important. I'm old enough, Paris replied. She's seventeen,
1: Orpheus added. "'Dad!' Paris complained. "'She's seventeen? I thought you were at least twenty! You act like you're a hundred and fifty! "'Dear God, you've been sixteen this whole time! Give me back that bottle of whiskey!' "'Celia grabbed it and pulled it over to herself. "'And while you're at it, give me back Thalia, too!'
0: "'Celia, that's not funny!'
1: Paris complained. "'Fine. You're seventeen now. Keep the bottle. Keep the girl. "'Dear God!' If I had known, I would have never let you fight the sheriff. She fought the sheriff? Yeah, her second match. She ripped him to shreds.
0: That old man? No, Dad. He retired. The new sheriff is Richard, his deputy. Oh, you'll have to tell me the whole story. Orpheus smiled. Dad, why are you really here? Is there some place private we can talk? He asked. Yeah, let's go to my room.
1: Paris got up from the table and led him to the back room. Once inside, she sat on the bed, and he pulled out the chair near the window.
0: Your room is very feminine. (laughs) Yeah, almost everything in here is Thalia's. Did you go home? The hunting grounds that are your favorites are only five miles from the ranch. You could have easily stopped in, did you? Almost. I got as far as the edge of the property, beyond the tree line. Then I saw them. Eddie and Anna, riding together, checking the fences. (sighs) They looked so happy. She kissed him, and I knew I had done the right thing. I know it seems weird, but I just didn't fit in there anymore. I needed to find somewhere I could be myself. I never asked you to be anything other than yourself. I know, but everything back at the ranch, it belongs to Edgar and all the boys. I know who I am, and I know I write a line most people don't understand. But there's something about me that is still a woman. I needed to find people like me, friends that understand me. Dad, I know all you've given me, and it's not your fault. I think I just needed sisters. I needed a girl of my own. I like Thalia. She's welcome in our family, if that's where this is going. She will always be welcome to the ranch. I will make sure of it. I only ask, is she yours? If you can answer yes, if you want to start a new family, that won't exclude you from the family you already have. I know, Dad. You have to come home. Eddie has been waiting for you. He believed you that there was nothing between you and Pollyanna. He's waiting for you to come home so that you can be his best man. He's holding off the wedding until you come back. I can't go to the wedding. I'm sorry. I can't stand there and watch it happen. I have no idea what I would do. You have Thalia now. You're making a life of your own. You can celebrate them doing the same, can't you? You have to come home. They need me here. Celia needs me here. Celia has taken care of me. I can't abandon her now. Who is Celia to you? She's my best friend. She's the most incredible woman. She's built all of this from nothing. She saved my life. Funny. She said the same thing about you. You don't have to leave forever. Come back when the wedding is over. But you have to come home and talk to Luke. I will. Just not right now. I was waiting for them to get married. For them to make their commitment so there was nothing I could do about it. I just don't think I could handle that. Dad, it's not just about how I feel. It's about Eddie. What if he finds out what was really going on between me and her? What if he learns I didn't run away from home? What if he learns I ran away from him? I think he already knows. He just won't face it. Then I can't come back until we are both ready to face it. We never meant to leave you out in the cold. We gave Eddie the ranch a long time ago, and with it we gave him the funds to be able to run it properly. That means he controls all the money I made when I was boxing, which is still a considerable fortune. He takes care of the other boys, and so we felt we could trust him with my money. But we didn't forget about you. The ranch, the land around it, and everything leading into the town is his. But 5,000 acres of forest beyond the homestead? You know, the ones you hunt in? It's yours. Dad? We had the papers drawn up a month ago. Eddie gets the ranch as a wedding present. You get everything beyond it. Dad, you don't know what this means to me, thank you. But... We are still giving him all the money I made as the Colorado kid. He needs that to take care of the other boys. But we can see you're not going to stay. And we wanted to leave you something too. Dad, I'm okay. No, listen. The money I made is not the only money there is. There's also the Reaper's money. What do you mean? When Luke was running from the cavalry, he was attacked by a caravan. That caravan was carrying the cavalry's payroll. They cornered him in a canyon, and he and his father set up an ambush. They left their cart turned over and then hid, waiting for them to get all the way in. Once they were, they attacked from the back, flanking them. They killed them all. And, you know Luke, once a battle is over, he was never shy to take what he wanted. He always considered it a waste to leave something valuable behind, including over two hundred thousand dollars." What? Our last night in Carson City, I was found out, and a crowd of men tried to kill me. Luke fought them to cover my and Eddie's escape. He was injured, and so when he finally made it back to his cabin, before we left, he had me dig up a crate he buried under his garden. In it was all of the guns that they had stolen during the war, $200,000 in cash. Holy shit! All of that money is still in that crate? It's sitting next to our bed. There's no money in there. It's just ammo and guns. I know, I've been through that crate. The money is under a false bottom. There's no latch, no key. The only way to get it out would be to break the crate. But it's in there. Why are you telling me this? The reason we left it there is because we knew someday you would break away from us. Luke always assumed when that happened you would take that crate with you. He wanted you to have the money you're his little gunslinger, and Luke left instructions with Eddie to give you the crate if you were ever to move out. Eddie doesn't know what's in it, but I'm sure if he did, he would still give it to you. It's enough money to start a life of your own. You can do whatever you want with it. You can buy the gun shop if you'd like. I'm sure the owner would be happy to retire if he had enough money. It's enough money to get married, to support a wife, even to support children, if that's what you want. Dad, I don't need your money. I've got a life of my own. I don't need to buy the gun shop, and I have the means to support a wife. Boxing? Boxing is one of the things I do, yes. And do you think you're good enough to earn a living? I am the Denver City Boxing Champion. I have a belt and everything. For how long? For how long? Until... Someone comes along and beats you. How long until someone comes along and purposefully hurts you so you can't continue? There is no one in this town who can beat me. Let's make a wager. You have a match coming up. Celia made it for you while you were out of town. If you win that match, I will let you stay, and I will find a way to make Luke understand. I will expect you to come home some day, but you won't have to do it right away. I will make an excuse for you and get Eddie to go ahead with the marriage without you. All you have to do is win your next boxing match. Prove to me that you can support yourself this way, and I will go home without you. But if you can't, then you have to come home with me. You will attend your brother's wedding, and you will apologize to your mother. Dad! That's the deal, whiskey girl. Prove you can stand on your own, and I will let you. Fine. I'll show you. It doesn't matter who they bring up against me. I beat the previous champion in three minutes. If they can find someone better than him, then maybe it takes me five. Tch, that guy was a bum. I beat him in two minutes and five seconds. You what? Two minutes, five seconds. What did he do to you that made you want to humiliate him like that? You beat him in three minutes instead of stretching the match out a little? Didn't Henry teach you to put on a little bit of a show first? Dad, when did you fight the Denver City Boxing Champion? Yesterday, when I got into town. Why? So that they would hire me to take out the new Denver City Boxing Champion. He pointed at her chest. Me? That's right, Whiskey Girl. Friday after next, here at the Amazon. The Whiskey Girl versus The Colorado Kid. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit.
1: Paris got up from the bed and ran for the door. She went through the hallway and back to the kitchen. Pentheselia was sitting with Alone and Mary, enjoying some of the cake. Celia, I'm fighting him? You mean your father? Yeah, in two weeks. Can you sit for a photo so we can have a poster made?
0: Celia, I can't beat him. I never have
1: been able to beat him. He's your father, and he's not going to hurt you. It doesn't matter whether you beat him or not. Of course it matters. No, not really. We've been having a hard time finding you matches anyway. Everyone's afraid of you. They've only ever seen you win. You have the undefeated problem. Without the belief they actually have a shot at beating you, nobody's going to want to fight you. It might be good for you to take a hit. You have this all figured out, don't you? Look, whiskey girl. It was either this or they hired another assassin to come and try and kill you. Your father tricked them into giving him $230. And when the town finds that out, that they accidentally hired your own father, whether he wins or loses, it's really not going to matter because they're going to be too embarrassed to try and pull that shit again. It'll keep you safe.
0: But I'll
1: lose. You will, if you go into it thinking like that. Look, you've got two weeks. Maybe you should train up a bit, not take the fight for granted. Don't underestimate yourself. Are you still going to take bets on me? Yeah, damn right. I have faith in you, even if you don't have faith in yourself. You can do this, Whiskey Girl. Remember, stay calm and see the path.
0: Fuck you, Celia.
1: <laughs> not a chance, Whiskey Girl. That's why we bought you Thalia, Penthesilia laughed. Colin set a hand on Paris's shoulder.
0: "'Hm, come on, kid. Your father's not invincible. Time to start training.' "'Colin!' "'I trained him. I'll train you. You got ten days. Let's start now.'
1: He pushed Paris to the back door. Paris looked toward the hallway to see Orpheus smiling at her. Cassandra got up from the chair and followed them. "'Happy birthday, Whiskey Girl!' Penthesilia yelled to her as she left the kitchen. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse written by Paris Lee artwork by Helen Lee performed by Helen and Paris all characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead except I guess for Helen and Paris see more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com if you would like to comment on the show or ask any question please email us at Helen of the Iron Horse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.